why did I show you that? <laughs> I've got my glasses up here. <laughs> I didn't realise I muted that. Oh no, um, Dougal muted it for me. He's very, very helpful, isn't he? Um, yeah, well, I, I showed you that because Jeanette and I made a big mistake last night. We went and saw that movie. Now, it wasn't actually our mistake because we were going to go and see another. What? No, I didn't have my glasses on, but it wasn't actually my mistake because we made it very clear what movie we wanted to see when we bought the ticket. But the ticket also said Theatre 11 on it. And we double-checked when we walked in, didn't we, Jeanette? We looked on both sides of the sign and said Theatre number 11. And uh, we went in there and, you know, you go through the Val Morgan pre-show ads and all that sort of stuff and the lights go down and... Then they show, show shorts of all the movies that are, that are coming up. And uh, then they started what I thought was the shorts for Aquaman. Aquaman. Uh, what they call him Aquaman, I think, in the movie. And um, I thought, gee, this, this is a pretty long short. <laughs> and then after a few minutes, I said to Jeanette, we're in the wrong theatre. But being me, I wasn't going to sort of get up and walk out and let everyone know it. There was only about seven people in there anyway. But I don't actually think this film's going to make a lot of money, by the way, but we won't go into that. Anyway, um, I, I thought Jeanette had just taken me into the wrong thing. I said, oh, this might be number one, not number 11. Anyway, we sat through the whole movie, which really wasn't worth the price we paid for it. So I'll just let you know, if you think you want to go and see it, you probably don't. They all might like it. Well, I'm just, well, like, you know, they're trying to outdo the Ring Trilogy, right? And no one's ever going to do that. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But, but, but I sat through it and I'm thinking, I've got to turn this into something I can use. You see? And it's very interesting, isn't it, that probably 70% of movies that are made today are made about superheroes, there is something in the heart of the human being that longs for a superhero, that longs for rescue. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in all of these movies, the rescue comes through violence. And isn't it interesting that that's what the Jews were expecting with their Messiah? And in fact, one of the main reasons why they never accepted Jesus Christ as Saviour was that he didn't do it by violent overthrow of the Romans and the religious leaders of the day. There was a very interesting line in this movie. It's not in those, those shorts, but the most interesting line of that movie went like this. A king fights for his nation. The true king fights for all people. And you see, that's the big difference between Jesus and an earthly king. An earthly king fights for a nation. The Jews thought Jesus was there to fight for their nation. But instead, he became a king for all people. And that's something for which we can give thanks. He didn't come just to save the Jew. He came to save the Jew and the Gentile. 
So we can say thank you for that, if nothing else. Jesus came. He came to save both the Jew and the Gentile. He came to reach out to those who are lost, and that's all of us, until we make that decision to surrender ourselves to him and to join him in his kingdom, to fight the good fight under his banner. And it's not a kingdom that works like any other kingdom. He's not a king who saves through violence. See, the, the movie makers have got that bit wrong. What they've got right is that there is something in the heart of the human being that longs for rescue. There is something in the heart of the human being that longs for peace. But where the humanists have got it wrong is that they think we can solve the problem and ultimately that we can solve the problem through some kind of violent overthrow of that which we perceive to be the enemy. The violent overthrow actually occurs in our hearts when we surrender to Jesus Christ. When our spirits are regenerated, there's a violent overthrow of what was there before and there's a total replacement. We get more than a triple heart bypass when we surrender to Jesus Christ. Today I want to share with you five thoughts about thank you. And uh, I want to, uh, what we say in, in literature is I want to apologise not to you, but to the person whose ideas I've stolen, but reworked. Uh, his name is Joseph Schumann, who uh, is associated with the ministry of John Piper, who's a very well-known uh, theologian. I don't agree with all of uh, John Piper's views. He's too Calvinistic for me, and uh, Andrew will know what, what that all means, and Ainsley will know what that all means. <laughs> However... Um, I read this article that Joseph Schumann wrote and it really sparked in me some thinking. And so I've used the broad framework of what he presented and being an academic, of course, I'm duty-bound and honour-bound to acknowledge those whose ideas I've used. I want to present to you five thoughts on thank you, the source of thank you and the power of thank you in our lives. The first point I would like to make is that thank you is actually a Trinitarian activity or a Trinitarian thought. You see, God, the Holy Spirit in us, gives thanks to God the Father through Jesus the Son. I mentioned a few moments ago that when we surrender to Jesus Christ, when we, when we give up our own life and our own will, and give it over to Him. Our spirit is regenerated. That's what the Bible calls being reborn. We're regenerated. We become a new creation. The old things pass away. All things are made new in our spirit. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we have a desire to give praise and thanks the word praise itself occurs over 200 times in the Bible. There are seven or eight different Hebrew words that are translated praise, but most of them have connotations of giving thanks. 
So praise is roughly speaking equivalent to what the Bible calls thanksgiving. And you will see throughout the Psalms an exhortation to praise the Lord, to give thanks, to come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You see, we cannot even get close to God without the thank you. Because in the thank you we acknowledge that all good things emanate from him. That he is the giver of life. That he is our provider. That he is our protector. It comes from the spirit within. You know, I've heard it said from time to time that we have to get the truth of God from our head into our heart. I actually believe that's wrong. It's got to go from our heart into our head. We've actually got to allow our regenerated spirit to invade our soul and our body and to give our soul and our body life. You see, when we're born again, our body doesn't necessarily change and nor does our soul, our our thoughts, our emotions, our will. They don't necessarily change, but they have to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, we want to be under the influence all the time, don't we? But not under the influence of an alcoholic spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So our job as Christians is to allow the regenerated spirit to bubble up and to overflow and to change the way we think and act and to actually bring healing to our bodies. And you see, when that happens, we cannot help but give thanks. We're created to give thanks to God. It's something which is driven, as it were, by the Holy Spirit. The focus is on God the Father. And it is through Jesus, His Son. But because it is through Jesus Christ, His Son, that we have a personal, living, daily relationship with God. In Romans 8, uh, verses 5 to 8, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, when we are in the Spirit, we focus on the things of the Spirit. And one of the things of the Spirit is giving thanks. A second thought on thank you And this is a very powerful one, is that thank you replaces sin. Thank you replaces sin. You know, one of the traps we often fall into as Christians is that we wake up in the morning and we decide we're going to try hard not to sin. We're going to try hard to be a good Christian. And so our Christianity becomes what I call a huff and puff religion. We make a lot of noise. We jump up and down trying to somehow get God to come and be in our lives and to change our circumstances. But you know what? The jumping up and down, the shouting and the hollering, that should all actually be by way of thank you because it's already been done through Jesus Christ our Lord. His body has already been broken that we might be healed, that we might enter into a divine life and have divine health. His blood was shed that we might come under a better covenant than the old covenant. You know, you couldn't be blessed in the old covenant unless you fulfilled the covenant in its entirety. But you see, we've already been blessed because Jesus Christ took upon himself 
all of our sin, past, present and future. We have been forgiven. It is as if we have fulfilled the law to the last jot and the last tittle. This is what Paul says. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So you can actually control what comes out of your mouth, which is attached to your heart, by disciplining what you say. If you can discipline yourself to wake up every morning thanking God, you're going to get through the day with much less sin than if you get up every morning and say, well, today I'm going to be strong and I'm not going to sin. Because all you're doing is taking it from a fleshly perspective. When you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to give thanks for the fact I can move my fingers. I can breathe today. Gary is alive today. I'm grateful for that, actually. I would much rather be praising the Lord because of his healing than working on a eulogy. You know what? I hope it will be a long time because we add to our list of firsts at Ignite Life Church our first funeral. Right? I like doing our first weddings, our first baptisms, our first salvations, our first baby dedications. That's all great. I don't want to do our first funeral for at least another 60 years. Hallelujah, brother. Why not? Why not? If you worry about sin in your life, Try filling your mouth with thankfulness to God. And if you can't find anything to thank him for, thank him for the fact that Jesus is not Aquaman. (laughs) That Jesus is the real deal. He's the true king who came to earth to fight for everyone. Regardless of what nation we come from regardless of what our background is, regardless of what sin there might be even in our lives today, Jesus has come to fight for us. We can at least say thank you for that. The third thought is that thank you sanctifies creation. It acknowledges the goodness of God in creating everything in the heavens and on the earth. Paul, in the context of a debate about what food we may and may not eat, says this Everything created by God is good. My goodness, that means flies and mosquitoes are good. At least they were before the fall. You know, uh, flies help clean up mess. I don't really know what mosquitoes did. There must be some good reason. Why God created mosquitoes. There must be some... Frogs eat mosquitoes, right? Yes. That's why God created mosquitoes. (laughs) But Paul says this, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So, you know, when we say what we call grace over a meal, you know, often we ask God to bless it to our bodies. He's going to do that already. But, But actually... When we're giving thanks, we're acknowledging God as the creator of all things good. Who knows food's pretty important? I know, you know, our family does a lot of stuff around food, as you can see. I'm living proof of that. We like doing food. And uh, 
The only problem we've had with food in recent times is that our fridge was so full, there was no room for... Yet no room for baby cheeses. <laughs> we really like cheese in our family, right? That was Ainsley's Christmas Day joke. I thought it was a good one. I thought it was good enough to share it with you. No room in the fridge. We could do a whole Christmas service on that. I'm going to write, maybe we'll write a play. Some, some of the creative ones are made. Oh, Gina, here you go. You're, yeah, no, this is right up your alley. For next Christmas. No room in the fridge for baby cheeses. Oh, it's got a good ring to it, eh? And we can do a special theme, like we can do cheese for our community time. Uh, okay. Just the fridge is full. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's funny, but anyhow. So when we give guests... <laughs> oh, dear me, <laughs> You and I better have a pretty serious talk later. You're supposed to be frightened of everything. I think I'm already in for <laughs> um, Before, before um, our girls got married, Larry, I, I, I've told you this before, I think, but some of you might not have heard this. I, I used to keep things very simple for our girls while they were growing up. In respect of marriage, I said, never marry a man who doesn't open car doors for you or who isn't frightened of me. <laughs> anyway... At the time they were married, the boys did open car doors for them, and the boys were frightened of me. I'm, I, I don't think they are anymore. <laughs> so listen, when, when we're saying what we call grace, when we're giving thanks for the food, we're actually acknowledging God as creator, as creator of all things good. And, and in all seriousness, we need food. And God being our protector and our provider has made food abundantly available. And by the way, if you're worried about all the poor people in the world who don't have access to abundant food, it has nothing to do with the fact that the world doesn't have the capacity to produce. But it has everything to do with political systems that keep some people poor and oppressed. And God was aware of that, of course, because that's what the prophets railed against so often in the Old Testament. Paul teaches that creation is good and should be received with thanksgiving because it is made holy through the word of God and prayer. Isn't that wonderful? Creation is good and should be received with thanksgiving because it is made holy through the word of God in prayer. The, the fourth uh, thought about thank you is that thank you honours the gospel. The fundamentally important thing we have to give thanks for is the fact that God made the decision out of love to sacrifice his son on our behalf. None of us could claim a sinless life. Therefore, there isn't one of us who is worthy to enter into eternal life with God. Not a single one of us. Even those of us who were good people before we became Christians had committed the sin of rejecting God. Because until you receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour, until you have that personal relationship with God through him, which happens at that point of regeneration, you have rejected God, so you're automatically a sinner. There's no one who hasn't sinned. Not a single one of us is worthy of eternal life. Not a single one of us. But the gospel brings us the message of salvation. And in giving thanks 
for our salvation in giving thanks for the grace of God at work in our lives. We honour the whole of the gospel. We honour everything that Jesus Christ did while he was on earth. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Do you know what? I give thanks for you. I can't say I do it daily, but I give thanks for you. Because we have seen, Jeanette and I often remark on this, we have seen so much commitment and we've seen so much spiritual development. I actually don't like using that term, but we've seen so much spiritual development through the testimonies that you people have of what God has done in your lives. And uh, without beating around the bush, we know full well that some of you have been on the fringes of church for a long time and never actually felt safe and secure in church. And whether or not you know it, you hear most Sundays now. Well, I give thanks for the grace of God upon your lives. And that through that grace, he has drawn you so close to him that you have this commitment to be here, not to support us, but to join with other brothers and sisters in Christ in worship and in hearing the truth of his word and also in fellowship, in doing our lives together. That's why we were able to pray for Gary. That's why we were able to pray for my work situation and make me look good as a CEO. You see, because we're part of this body. We, we are a body, as it were, within the broader body of Christ. And I give thanks. I give thanks because of the grace of God that was given you and you and you, all of you, in Christ. And some of you, of course, are visitors, and yet there's not a visitor here that Jeanette and I don't know. Because we've been connected with you at some time in our history as Christians. And we also give thanks for our friends. We also give thanks for them also. Oh, no, I wasn't going to say anything else. <laughs> I, like, I wasn't going to say we don't give thanks for them. <laughs> Jeanette helps me every now and then. Like... Well, in inverted commas, right? Backseat preacher. A backseat preacher. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So when we say thank you, you know we actually honour the gospel. When, when we thank God, Jeanette and I often, and I've said this to you many times before, some of you will probably go to sleep because you've heard it so many times before, Jeanette and I often give God thanks for our children because they have made the choice to become followers of Jesus Christ. Ainsley and David, worshippers. They're not just worshippers on a Sunday. Their lifestyle is a lifestyle of worship. We give God thanks for that. We don't claim the credit. We might have laid some foundations when they were kids. But they made choices. Our other daughter, Ainsley. I mean, our other daughter, Lauren and Heath, who are... Where are they now? They're flying over the United States somewhere. But, you know... They struggled for a long time to find a, a, a church family in which they were comfortable. And Lauren's very intellectual. She, she, she thinks our services are too long and too loud. And, and I, I love that. 
I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that because you know what? We have to find the culture that works for us. And, and, and Lauren and Heath are well and truly sown into another local church. They're giving praise to God. They are committed to that part of the body of Christ. And Jeanette and I give thanks to God for that. And that we can't take the credit. But you see, the gospel got a hold of our kids. And we include our sons-in-law as our kids. You know, we wanted more kids for various reasons. It didn't happen. Our girls got married and we got four kids. We got two boys and two girls and we give God thanks for that. And they're all chasing after the things of God. In giving thanks, we honour the gospel. The last thought is this. That thank you is a lifestyle. Thank you is a lifestyle. Paul says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now I want to be very careful about how we interpret this. Paul did not say give thanks for all circumstances. He said give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what our situation, be it good, bad or indifferent, Paul's exhortation is to give thanks. The very least we can give thanks for, as I've already said, is that Jesus Christ came and saved us sinners. And you know what? The very worst thing that can ever happen to us is that somebody will kill us. That's the worst that can ever happen. And guess what? <laughs> we go to be with Jesus. And that would be okay, wouldn't it? We go to be with Jesus. So we're not asked to give thanks for our circumstances. So if things are not going as well as you might like them to, you don't have to give thanks for the circumstance. But give thanks in the circumstances, whatever they are. Paul says elsewhere, I have learnt to be content in plenty or in want. He went through that list. He was shipwrecked. He was flogged. All sorts of bad stuff happened to him. But he had learnt to be content. You'll be content when thanksgiving becomes your lifestyle. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not that you might have tough circumstances, but that you would give thanks in spite of all the stuff that goes wrong in your life. You'll find that in 1 Thessalonians 5. Verses 16 to 18. And I do again want to address this issue of suffering. We have spent a whole discussion point on the whole issue of bad stuff happening to, to good Christians. And look, a lot of people will teach that our suffering is not punishment for our sin, because obviously Jesus Christ has borne the punishment in our place. But... God is sovereign over our suffering and through it God is conforming us in the image of his son. I don't actually agree with that. Because if that happens then God isn't a good God. There is nothing bad in God. God is all good. God never causes your negative circumstances. 
You might make choices that lead to negative outcomes. And in that sense, God is permissive. But John 10.10 says this. Satan seeks to steal, kill and destroy. And in all seriousness, this is where I strongly disagree with Calvinist thinking. Calvinist thinking, taking the, the, the translation line of the NIV Bible, really says God is sovereign over all. Now, in a sense, he is. He's the ultimate sovereign. But he delegated sovereignty to humanity in Genesis chapter 1. If you go and have a look, Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3. In chapter 1, God delegates sovereignty, not all of it, but he delegates at least a portion of his sovereignty to humanity. In Genesis chapter 2, particularly in verses 15 and 18, he makes us responsible for the way in which we exercise that sovereignty. And in chapter 3, God walks in the garden in the cool of the evening and converses with Adam and Eve. That's what happens when we pray. So God gives us sovereignty. He makes us accountable for the way in which we actually steward that sovereignty, but he doesn't leave us alone to work it all out. Now, bad stuff happens because not all of humanity stewards sovereignty well. We're in the underground car park at the Woolworths in Ormai a few days ago, and there's a, a sign there that, that, that asked anybody who saw an assault there to um, contact the police because they want to obviously do something about the people who <coughs> assaulted somebody down there in the car park. Well, you see, bad stuff happens because not everybody stewards the sovereignty that God has given to humanity well. There was a group of three youths who created a fair bit of havoc in the southern part of Brisbane, just a week or so ago, they assaulted people, they stole motor cars. Three young people they were. They're not stewarding the sovereignty that God has given them well. If Satan will use people who don't steward the sovereignty God has given them in his quest to steal, to kill and destroy. When people like Gary fall ill, God hasn't woken up that morning and decided he wants Gary to get closer to him and so he's going to do it by putting him in a hospital bed, by threatening his life, causing grief to Barb and to Andrew and Antonia and to um, Jackie and to Catherine. That's not the way God is because if he did that, he wouldn't be a good God. But let me tell you this, Satan, again, because people don't steward their sovereignty well, Satan still has a foothold in the earth. Even though Jesus Christ fully defeated Satan at the cross, and it's our role as Christians to enforce that victory, because of sin in the world, and sin is related to people not stewarding their sovereignty well, because of that, Satan still has a toehold. Now, I would argue against the Calvinist view that says God is the one who either causes or lets us suffer because he wants to teach us something or because he wants us to draw closer to him. 
You know, look, I love my granddaughter. I'm not going to hurt her so that somehow when I console her, she might get closer to me. Wouldn't that be a stupid thing to do? And I expect that my daughter and son-in-law wouldn't allow me near their house for a hundred years. I'm going to love her. Do all I can to protect her. And God is like that. Our suffering occurs because Satan seeks to steal, to kill and destroy. John 10, 10. So we're not asked to give thanks for our circumstances. But we are asked to give thanks in all circumstances. And I can tell you this. Giving thanks in all circumstances is an antidote to depression. is an antidote to so many mental illnesses. If you can only discipline yourself to making thanksgiving a lifestyle, your life will change for the better. This is the God whom Isaiah wrote about in Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23, whose mercies are new every morning. Give him thanks for the fact that his mercies are new every morning. Sometimes that word mercies is translated blessings. His blessings are new every morning. So can I invite you, as we slip out of one year and into another, to determine in your heart, by the grace of God, that you will become and I will become and Jeanette will become a thank you person. And to thank you today for Sunday Connect, we're going to have some Sunday time. <laughs> so folks, we're done. Don't forget, if you'd like prayer for anything, come down here and we'll pray for you because we believe in the power of prayer. But for the rest of you, or straight after we've prayed, if you go out the back, there is all the things you need to make the best ice cream sundae this side of the black stump. And we've also got a frozen treat for those who are gluten-free, who are vegans, who are paleos, who have to have dairy-free, who have to have sugar-free, who have to have fun-free. No, not that one. Um, just a warning, though, there is almond meal in the frozen tree. And it's got cacao in it, and that's organic, but it's good stuff, all right? Okay. Um, now, the, the only thing I should warn you is I made it. So, no, we're not so sure about that. All right. Anyway, even if it doesn't taste any good, what are you going to do? You're going to say, thank you. Hallelujah. God bless you.